We've got a gospel reading this morning from Mark um, that I think uh, can be preached the wrong way. I'm going to try not to do that this morning. Um, It's certainly a text about giving, but if you were to read this passage and and come away from it, um, either A, um, really pumped up about being just like the widow, you know, what a great example she is. I'm going to be like her and give like her. If that's what you come away with, then um, I, I would say you're misreading this. Well, the other option, and I think the far more likely option, is to read this and become despondent, right? Wow. To give everything she has, that's what Jesus is blessing. Um, and and you, you would read that and think, I, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. How could I ever live up to that? Maybe I could do that for a little while, but, but, but you would eventually fall short. And so... The, the trick then is to really understand what's happening in this passage. And before we dive into the realities of generosity, and that's certainly part of it, and we need to look at that, we need to first understand how is this story pointing us to who Jesus is? Because that's why Jesus is, um, that's why Mark's relating it to us. That's why Jesus thought it was so important. First and foremost, it was about who Jesus is. And then secondly, it is about giving and responding generously to Jesus. Um, So the question is, how are we going to understand this story? Well, the first thing we need to consider as a bit of a background, perhaps, is, is, you know, what is going on? What, What is it about the temple that is receiving so much attention from Jesus in these last days, okay? Because that's where he is. He's in the the temple courts when we read this story about the widow, and Jesus has been there since chapter 11, right? Do you remember what he did when he came into the temple? He drove out the money changers. He said, my, my house has become a den of robbers. It's not the place of prayer for all nations that it was to be. And so he drives out the money changers. And then um, for the next couple chapters, he has this extended um, engagement and argument with the leaders in Jerusalem. And they're, they're coming at him from every way. And they're challenging him. And they're saying, who are you, Jesus, to, to drive out these money changers, to claim authority over the temple? Who do you think you are? And all of that, I mean, you feel that the tension is building. And Mark gives us these asides about these leaders. They want to arrest Jesus, but they can't because they know the crowds love him. And if they were to arrest him, then they would look bad in the eyes of the crowds. And and so this tension is building and building. And then we get to this scene. He's done with the scribes. He's done with the Pharisees. He's sitting with his disciples in the temple. And this is the last thing he says in the temple. The last thing he says on the temple grounds is observing this widow commenting on her generosity. And then a few short chapters later, one and a half actually, um, he'll be arrested and he'll be crucified. So there's something weighty going on here about the temple. I think we need to understand that the temple is an image of God's presence and reconciliation with his people. Now, this is really important. Throughout Scripture, the temple is an image of God's presence and reconciliation with his people. Or consider it this way, okay? We, we worship every week in a regular pattern, and our worship is a participation in the presence of God, and it's also a, an image of how God relates to us. And so how do we worship? Well, we, we hear the word, right? 
We repent of our sins. We confess our faith in Jesus. And once we, we believe and once we repent, then we are invited to share in the presence of God at Holy Communion. And so if somebody were to look at our worship and say, well, what does that say about who God is? We'd see that God is a gracious and forgiving God who extends mercy to his people who repent and who wants to be present with them, those that believe and are truly um, humbled and sorry for their sins. So what, let me pose you this question, what would you say about God if you looked at the worship in the temple at the time of Jesus? What would that be telling us about God? Well, what would you would see then is that um, the most wealthy and the most pious and the most knowledgeable, they were considered to be the ones closest to God. They were considered to be the best of God's people. And they showed it with their long flowing robes and their, their ostentatious giving. And that's the problem Jesus has. He says this temple is not reflecting who God is. It's not reflecting who God is. And so he comes then to this widow in such the contrast with these, these givers, um, the, the wealthy givers. And he says, look, this widow is showing us how God relates to his people. She's showing us how God relates to his people. So consider the reading in Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, um, we're in verse 41. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Um, and Jesus is going to... Um, Mark's going to recount for us the story of the widow. So, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Now, imagine Jesus sitting with his disciples. They've just had this exchange, this back and forth. Perhaps they're resting. They're certainly doing some people watching. And they're looking over at the offering boxes, these were um, probably what was known as the shofar boxes. They were, this was a free will offering that you would give if you were Jewish. This is something you would give not out of obligation, but because you wanted to for the operations of the temple. Maybe it was um, to buy animals for sacrifice. Maybe it was to buy wood to burn. That's what this was. It was a free will offering. And there's rich people, and they're putting coins in the box, and there's no doubt that they were making quite a show of it. They were probably wearing the long, flowing robes that we had described earlier in our reading this morning. Certainly, these were the ones that Jesus described praying in public, these very long and pious prayers. They were, they were the ones that were wearing the boxes on their foreheads with the, the Scripture. They were making a show of how holy they were. And imagine them coming to these boxes with these big, heavy coins, right? Maybe, I mean, maybe they're even holding them like this because they're, they're so heavy. And they go to the box and, and they drop it in and it makes this loud clunk, right? Can you imagine the weight of what they're putting in the box? Can you imagine how they're doing it? Hey, make sure somebody's looking, put it in, hear the noise, wow, wow. What a generous gift. Jesus is watching this. The disciples are watching this. They're surely in awe. I mean, they've heard Jesus' teaching over and over again, but, but they see this, this sign of holiness, and it's, it's awe-inspiring, right? And then right behind them comes this widow. 
A poor small widow came and put two small copper coins, which made a penny. She put them into this box. She's probably wearing rags. She's probably illiterate. She has little to no means. She has no, no way of making a living, and there, it doesn't seem that anyone is taking care of her like, like the scriptures called for that. And she drops in two very small, very light coins. Could they even be heard landing in the box on top of those large sums of money? But Jesus sees her, and he's amazed. Right? He's amazed and he calls his disciples, come disciples, look at this widow. What does he, he say about her? He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow who gave in two measly coins that don't even make any noise, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Those two worthless coins are worth more than these huge sums of money that all of these rich folks have put in the box. How is this possible? She's clearly given less, right? She's clearly given less money than anybody else. And yet it is more. Why? They have all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. The widow has given everything to God. And no matter how much that is, everything is far and above more than part. It's far and above more than simply giving out of her abundance. And I would suggest that the widow is showing us a true temple image. A true image of what it means to be reconciled to God and to be in the presence of God. And isn't this what Jesus has been teaching to his disciples over and over and over again in this gospel? Remember Peter had his great confession and Jesus said, Anyone who would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross. He says to his disciples, the kingdom of, In the kingdom of God, the first shall be last and the, the last shall be first, right? And he says to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler says, what can I do to be saved? And Jesus says, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. The kingdom of God doesn't belong to the rich. It doesn't belong to the great. It doesn't belong to the super holy people. It belongs to the poor and humble and faithful. And this is the image of God with his people. This is the image that the temple is supposed to show to the world. The widow is giving everything she has. She's the one that represents this image. And she's the one who points us to Jesus, right? We see a picture in this woman of God who gives sacrificially. God who, who loves his people, who would, who would give everything he has for them. This is an image of Jesus Christ who would give everything he had. He would give up his reign and authority in heaven, right? He would give up his rights as the son of God to become man. He would give up his life for the sake of people who wanted him crucified in the first place. He gave up everything he had so that we might have life. 
And that's where this lowly widow is pointing us to. That our reconciliation to God is not on the basis of our piety. It's not on the basis of our generosity. It's not on the basis of our righteousness. But it's on the basis of Jesus Christ. Of His generosity. Of His righteousness. That's how we come in relationship with God. This is an incredible burden to be lifted off of our shoulders. Many of us, many, many of us are stuck in this idea that where we stand before God is dependent on how holy and righteous we are. And that either turns us completely away and we want nothing to do with Him, or we try over and over again unsuccessfully to reach Him. And that's not how it works. It's Jesus Christ alone in His humility and His generosity that we can know the grace of God. And so the widow then is not pointing us to something we should do, at least not for starters. It's pointing us to who God is. Okay? That God is gracious. That God is loving. That God has given Himself for us. And in light of that, then she is showing us what a life lived to God's glory looks like. She's showing us what a life lived to God's glory looks like. It doesn't look like long flowing robes and ostentatious prayers. It looks like humility and sacrifice and giving out of faith, trusting that God will respond. I was researching for this sermon about um, the widow's giving, and I came across um, Charles Simeon wrote a sermon on this years and years ago. He's a great um, 19th century preacher in England and um, a, a fabulous preacher. And he said there are three things about the widow's giving that should be excuses. Why she shouldn't have given anything, okay? It was unnecessary, it was useless, and it was presumptuous. It was unnecessary. This is a free will offering. It's not required by God. It's not part of the law. It's not something that she had to do. Um, it was unnecessary. Furthermore, in the very next verses of Mark's gospel, Jesus predicts that the temple is going to be destroyed. This is a dying institution. There's no need to give it any more money. It's about to be destroyed anyway. It was an unnecessary gift. It was a useless gift. What are those two small coins going to do compared to the great money that was given prior, compared to the offerings for other Others Compared to how much it actually costs to run the temple, what is, what is two, two pennies going to do compared to these things? Certainly it was a useless gift. It was presumptuous. She's given away everything she has. Is she not tempting God? Right? How is she going to eat tomorrow or the next day? She's just given all her money away. What a presumptuous gift to tempt God like that. Now, I think if we were honest with ourselves, each of us has used one of these excuses as well for our generosity. And certainly it's our generosity of money, but it could be our generosity of our time or our our talents. But we use these excuses all the time. We say, look, it's not really necessary for me to give. Hasn't Christ died on the cross. I don't have to do anything. He, he's died for me, right? Well, the answer to that is, of course, yes. 
but it doesn't make what we do on this earth useless or unnecessary, excuse me. Or some of you might be saying, look, I give my 10%, right? I volunteer at the church. I have my ministries. It's unnecessary for me to give more than that. Maybe you're thinking it's useless. I can't give enough money. My meager offering will be nothing compared to what's needed for God's kingdom. Nothing compared to what's needed for this church. Maybe you say it's presumptuous. Doesn't God want me to plan for my future? Doesn't he want me to have everything lined up? Wouldn't he want me to make sure that, 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 that my needs were taken care of first, that I wasn't burdening anybody else, and then give out of what's left? Do you see these excuses that we make? But when we give out of Christ's love for us, and that's why it's important to see that first, when we give out of Christ's love for us, these objections fall away. It doesn't matter how much we can contribute. It doesn't matter um, if it's useful or not in any sense of our understanding. Our, our presumption is that God is going to take care of us because he, he loves us enough to, to bring us into his kingdom through the death of his son. And so we're giving because Christ first loved us. We're giving out of response to that. We're giving as a way of of imaging to the world the graciousness of God. And so we don't give out of our obligation. We don't give because of what our money can do for God. We don't give because God gave us a little extra this month. Listen, I'm sorry, Tripp, but listen. (laughs) We don't want you to give your money if that's why you're giving it. Don't give because you feel like you have to. Don't give because you think, look, this money's going to do something great for God. Don't give because God gave you a little extra in your, your paycheck. These things could actually hinder your relationship with God. You might think God owes you something. You might get mad when, when the money you give isn't being used for what it should be used. It might make you self-reliant. Look, I'll give when I've got things taken care of, right? Give because Jesus died for you. Because he loves you. Give in response to that. Because you want to. And when that captures your heart, when, when that really grips you, what joy there is. What joy there is to give to the Lord. Whether it's your money or your, your time or your talents, what, what joy there is in giving when we give out of the love of Christ for us. And so the widow this morning, she's inviting us to consider generosity in light of the reality of who Christ is. Christ is the one who gave everything for us that we might have life in him. And he is the motivation behind our generosity. That our love for him might be so abundant that we can't help but give for his kingdom. And that's my prayer for you, that you would know that sort of love and that sort of joy and that sort of giving. Not one that is, is earning you something or for your own sake, but one that is, is out of the sake of Christ and out of the sake of his sacrifice on the cross for us.